This episode of Holy Cannoli has some grown-up words that might not be appropriate for little ears. You've been warned. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, episode 37 of the Holy Cannoli podcast. Wendy's back on the mic, y'all. Hi, everybody. You know what? I was just thinking since I, I went to Sundance... Middle of January, end of end January. End of January. And it's now the beginning of March. Yeah. And I think that whole thing just threw us in a loop. Things have been a little bit um, like in catch-up mode, I feel like. You started another <laughs> podcast. I, I don't know podcast. how you keep it all straight. Oh, my gosh. I'm just trying to do anything and everything. I'm like hustling, as you know, to get some work. And it's like this, while I'm applying to millions of jobs... It gives me a sense of purpose to have all these things out in the world and to create and to make. And hopefully some of these things catch wind, catch fire, catch something. (laughs) You know what? I mean, I bet there's other people out that can relate to you, but you have so many things going on. And probably every day you come up with something new. You're like, (laughs) I had this awesome idea. Listen to this. And I'm thinking, how can you get an awesome idea when you're... You have so many so things many going other on, ideas. but then you kind of want to jump on it. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, I, I want to figure this out, and then you start emailing, and then you start writing something, and then you start. And in some way, if I like look on the other side of it, I could be super objective and go like, Why do you have so many ideas? Just make one of them happen. The challenging part about being in the creative industry is your like starting point doesn't always end in the point that you want it to end in. And so you kind of have to like juggle a lot of those things in the air to see which one is going to catch. And, you know, honestly, it's been a discouraging space of just figuring, weighing, you know, um, reconstructing, reevaluating, like, how is it all going to work? It's, I thought things would catch a lot sooner than they are. So, So it feels like we're still, I just posted a picture on Facebook today about, our super green bananas that we mm-hmm. have. <laughs> I think they're still green. <laughs> and they've been there like almost a week. But you rarely Seriously. see those type of green bananas, but we have them in our kitchen like for like, days upon days. And I've been staring at them thinking, that's how my life feels right now. Like, why won't they ripe? Slowly, yeah. slowly When ripening. can we peel that thing? And when can I throw <laughs> it in a smoothie? When can I eat it? And it's just like the patience, the building of patience is super, super hard. I mean, that's why this guy, the naked pastor, our 37th guest, is a perfect conversation for for where we are. I felt Mm. like I was talking to a therapist. I felt like I was talking Mm -hmm. to a prophet. I felt like I was talking to a critic. I felt like I was talking to the future me in some way. So, So David Hayward is, he's nine years ahead of us. So he jumped out a, of a vocational role in a church nine years ago. And it, uh, like, like we are going through it, it was scary. It was hard. Uh, he even said, you know, he's seen many couples, you'll hear it in the podcast, that their marriages don't make it because it's so tough on them hmm. to do this and to yeah. figure out life post that kind of space. So Whew, it was cool. good. Uh, it was good. Does he explain why he's the naked pastor? Oh, That's like yes. <laughs> an intriguing <laughs> title. You'll have to wait till the very end because I started off asking him and then we didn't like re like connect the dot until okay. the very end of the conversation. So you'll hear wow. it at the end. And I just a kind of a, a, a note of warning. I feel like we uh, believers, followers of Jesus, people of the way of the kingdom, we often you know, can get really complainy about the church. And when we talk about the church, like the big C church, uh, it can be really easy to make it about your personal church. Now, I really believe we do need to be constructively critical and, and ask better questions and question why we do certain things and why we allow certain things. Um, but we want to be careful. Like I, I'm trying not to be super complainy uh, and pointing fingers or calling out certain churches unless we need to. But the big C church, like the universal church at large, we can read articles. We know things are happening in different denominations. So I do name certain things at times when I have to, but I want, I'm trying to just go like in general, the institution of the church, we need to be better about how we run it and what we do there. And I think David is trying to do the same thing, you know, with his church, this personal, like little C church he was a part of. 
and then his grander sort of voice in the greater church at large. He is a artist who uses his artwork in his cartoons, which I love. Mm. So look him up, The Naked Pastor. Uh, he does a lot of cartoons about spiritual abuse and about uh, like leadership uh, manipulations and things that the, the when we say the church, sometimes we're not meaning a particular church. We're usually meaning a small number of people who are abusing their power and their rights. Mm. And whether it's, you know, men behind closed doors, not letting women into the pulpit or like the United Methodist Church making, you know, a stance on excluding the LGBTQ community. Those type, types of things I think are really important for us to discuss, and he does it through his cartoon. So listen to him. Really, really good conversation. I loved it. Felt like it was more for me than any of you, maybe. I don't know. If you want to give any feedback, uh, you can always email podcast at bravemaker.com or shoot us something on the Facebook page. But we have two different events we want to promote. Oh, yeah. March 10th, right? March 10th at Foothill College, one of the theaters at Foothill College. Yeah, Brunswick Theater. Brunswick (laughs) Theater. I don't have it in front of me. Sexuality and Scripture Uh is what it's called. It's a conversation Mm -hmm. between... Two different people on two different sides. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Preston Sprinkle, who is a um, straight man who does not affirm gay relationships. He doesn't... He believes if you're gay, you should be celibate, not get married, and um, you wouldn't be able to be, you know, utilized in the, the life of the church if if you did, you know, live out those um, desires. Uh, and then Justin Lee is a gay Christian who obviously is affirming of the gay community and believes you can follow Jesus and be gay. And so they're going to talk publicly. There's over 600 and some tickets sold to this event. Brave Maker is a part of that, which is really cool. And you can go to our Facebook page. There's a link there. It starts at like 4.45 uh, on Sunday, March 10th. Yeah. So we will be there. So we'll see you if you come. And then the next event is March... March 25th. March 25th. The next Brave Maker screening. Yes, which is uh, a Monday night. And that's going to be at Century 20 at 7 p.m. And this is a documentary called Bias, which I don't know if you saw me on my computer tonight. I was taking the illicit bias assessment. Ooh. So I will put that in the Facebook page too. It's a way you can assess if you have biases toward gender, toward race, toward sexuality, toward religion. It was very humbling because I thought, oh, I'm going to rock this. I don't have bias. And of course, it comes out that I equate career with male and I equate female with family. Not that that's a bad thing necessarily, Mm. but women who are career minded, that's a bias, you know? So we'll have a documentary about that. And I'm bringing up a really cool speaker from Los Angeles named Andre Henry, who Brave Maker, my nonprofit, is partnering with. So all that stuff is happening. So check it out. And. No further ado, let's jump into Holy Cannoli. Yeah, give us your thoughts on the Holy Cannoli Facebook page after you listen, things that stood out, questions you have, and maybe the dialogue can continue after that. You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my it. pleasure. Yeah. You're my first Where kid. are you in California? I'm in Northern California, so uh, oh, okay. Red- Redwood City, which is you know a little bit 30 minutes south of San Francisco. Right, right. Yeah, so I've been here about 20 years, just left staff uh, of a church about nine months ago to start a nonprofit and been following oh. your work around the same wow. time, kind of discovered you around the same time. Wow. Uh, why'd you leave the church? I, I'd say it was a number of things, three things. I'd right. say one, I was just, it was time. I was ready. I was there 20 years. I felt like I had probably overstayed my welcome a few years just for right. where, where I felt like I wanted to be, my roles, my gifts, my skills, that type of thing. Uh, two, yeah. we had just come through a big reorganization and it took <laughs> just so many years to try to get all the right factors in place. And, you know, I was exhausted and burned yeah. out yeah. and ready and felt like, why did it take so long? Uh, <laughs> so that was number two. And then three, our church, our denomination is not an affirming 
LGBTQ denomination. And I was just feeling like a growing discontentment. And, you know, with integrity, yeah. I couldn't stay on staff there if I couldn't welcome and include my gay right. brothers and sisters. So that was a big part right. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What denomination was that? The the Evangelical Covenant Church? No. Not familiar? Have, okay. No. Like like the United Methodists, uh, they okay. have recently done you know some voting and some policies kind of strengthening stances right. against how they interpret Scripture. So it's becoming more yeah. and more of a con- point of contention for a lot of people who are in that denomination. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, across the board, it's like uh, I think the tolerance for middle ground or you know moder- moderation is yeah it's it's disappearing yeah it's either or right eh? yeah. seems to be yeah well it's so thank you for being willing to chat uh, this yeah. this podcast I have two podcasts and I might uh, sprinkle some episodes into <laughs> both of the ones one is uh, called the Holy Cannoli Podcast. And it's all okay. about how sacred and strange life is. I love having conversations about, about God, about understanding who we are, understanding why we're here. So that's a big part of the podcast, Holy Cannoli. And then the Brave Maker podcast is all about art and creative okay. and people oh, cool. who are bravely making stuff. And you fit into both of those spaces. <laughs> so yeah. I thought yeah. I'd do a fun crossover. Uh, oh, cool. So, yeah. so David Hayward, known as the Naked Pastor, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I think is super fun and provocative and also scary. Like, if you type that in, you always wonder, like, I know. what's going to come know. up on Google? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't do a search. No. <laughs> so I've been following your Instagram and your stories and stuff. But for our listeners, just start launching off. Who are you? Why are you here? What's Naked Pastor David Hayward all about? All right. Well, um, as you said in your introduction, first of all, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. I love chatting about this kind of stuff. But I've been in, you know, both feet, it's sort of been in each world. Uh, spiritual, I'm very interested in spirituality and also very interested in creativity. Mm-hmm. And I have found a way to marry those two and, and live in both of those worlds uh, simultaneously, sort of integrated that into my life. So, um, the way my spiritual life took expression was I uh, went to Bible college, I went to seminary, I became a pastor, I was ordained, I served churches for many years. Basically, I, I rounded off to 30 churches, uh, 30 um, years that I served the church as a pastor. And then in 2010, I walked away uh, just because I felt that, very constricted. I, I'd always felt that, uh, I always found churches where I felt the box was big enough yeah. for me uh-huh. to explore and not be judged for it. And, um, but I, I finally found the wall. I finally mm-hmm. found where there, I could, I could go no further. And, um, so I, I took that risk and walked away in 2010 for, uh, the next couple of years I taught at a university and then I decided to take the final step you know, where I'd never gone before into that frontier of uh, entrepreneurship and, yes. and um, art and try to make a living off my art and all the other stuff I do. And I, it's working, you know, it's nine years later and almost exactly. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm self-employed and um, I'm enjoying my life and I'm, I'm very creative and I'm helping people out spiritually. And so, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm I'm kind of jealous that you're nine years out because I'm just starting the journey, and it's yeah, really uh, so really hard. Adjustment. Yeah. So let's yeah, can we talk is. about that? Can we talk about just yeah. when you took the jump nine years ago? Yeah. What were some of the your own factors that you knew it was time, and then what were you doing to like the on ramp to get you to that space? <laughs> well. I'd already been blogging and already been doing art and cartooning and everything um, and writing. I'd already been doing that, but you know that was kind of like a hobby. Yeah. And when when you're doing it as a hobby, there's no pressure. Uh, well, there you know there, mm-hmm. it's not life or death pressure. Yeah, you don't have to pay bills. That's right. And um, but when I decided to. Uh, do it full time. That's when I had to get serious, and I had to, you know, one of the actually I'm coming out with a new book and a course called Money Is Spiritual, 
because I had to address that issue that a lot of not just uh, uh, Christians or believers or religious people have, but especially people who are leaving the ministry or whatever uh, have real issues around money mm-hmm. and negative issues. And uh, I certainly did. And I knew one of my big learning curves was going to be how to appreciate money, value it, value myself, value what I create. Um, I was going to have to learn business and get over my hangups about yep. selling same and marketing and promoting my stuff and myself. And yeah. so it's been brutal. I mean, I've gone to seminary and you know, all kinds of things and that was really hard, but I'm telling you the word, the, the most difficult was learning life yeah. outside of that kind of Christian ghetto I was in <laughs> as a, as a pastor. Yeah. So it's been really hot, tough, but I, I, I've done it. I think I graduated. Uh-huh. And um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I resonate, gosh, with so much of what you're saying. So, yeah. uh, so, so nine years ago, what was your life like in the place of you were, were mm-hmm. you a lead pastor? Were you on staff? Like what was, was that role? Was yeah, it, I was, was a lead. Your, sorry, what was yeah. your family dynamic and like life outside of that vocational role like? Yeah, I was I was the pastor. I was the lead pastor. Um, we had a few staff, but um, it was a great church. Seriously, I loved it. I had a great leadership team, and we worked well together. The church was an awesome community. I think I have um, pretty good skills at forming community, and um, in fact, I've got an online community now called the Lasting Supper. Mm. And um, yeah, I liked it. And and we. Um, we really enjoyed ourselves, but it got to the point where I realized it was kind of like you mentioned at the beginning. I, I began to realize I'm overstaying my welcome. I was stretching further than people were comfortable with. Yeah. And so my wife and I were very much, we were joined at the hip spiritually in terms of beliefs and everything. We were a team working together, always together, always going out with and having people in from the church and working together in the church and the leadership team. And, uh, and then we have three kids. They were uh, adults at the time, by this time. And um, Lisa had gone back to university to get her nursing degree. And that's my wife. And um, it, everything was really cool. Everything was good. And then, and then I, I, I don't know if you do use language on the show. Or Go not. for it. We we got a warning. Go for it. But I I. I, I fucked it up, man. I, I decided, like, I went to a meeting with the church, and I knew, mm. I knew, I'm done. I am, I am so done. Was and, it like a congregational type of meeting where something was happening, uh, like on a decision or what? Kind of like a, a core group, the so, key supporters in the church. Okay. And I knew, and I knew if I was losing, uh, um. If I was losing, um, you know, credentials with them, if I was losing authority with them, or if I was losing, uh, if, if they were no longer getting me, mm. I knew I, I had to walk away for the sake of the church, but also yeah. for my sanity. And how did you know they weren't getting you? They were just, uh, um, they didn't like my style. They wanted me to be more instructive and authoritative, sure. and you know, I was trying to I was trying to invite the congregation into more, you know, um, be more open to questions and exploring and oh, I love it. it things like that, and and uh, so it was almost like uh, they just they just wanted me to get back in line and yeah. be a charismatic leader like yeah. the the. You know, the denomination I came out of, that's the charismatic leadership is kind of kind of the thing. And I, I worked. I, I'm not. That's not me. Yeah. So I knew I, I'm done. They want somebody I'm not. Yeah. And I'm willing to do that. Yeah. So I, I actually I, I texted my wife. I said, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, me, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, here we go. Yeah. So within a few weeks, we were gone. Wow, and um, and and then that that began our very very tumultuous journey. Wow, of, of trying to readjust and uh, find our feet. 
after that. So, did and you, it was tough. Did you do any crying in your car? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I'll tell you though, that night going home, Lisa was uh, working and I was, she was working a night shift. I was at home on my bed and I'm like, literally having not a panic attack, but I thought, what have I done? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. I, I literally jumped off a cliff, yeah, not knowing what I was jumping into, and I, I was like, "That was one of the most terrifying moments of my life." And and uh, what have I done? Big, big, big terror. So um, anyway, yeah, it it took uh, it took a couple of years of hard work, yeah. and um, you know, we finally figured out a plan, and uh, you know, decided we wanted to stay together. Our marriage. Mm. went under a lot of strain mm. and you know we had to work that out and our kids were all going it was like a perfect storm and being in ministry for so many years we actually had to file for bankruptcy wow. uh, you know our kids were gone so it was empty nest uh when i left the church i lost we lost all our friends oh. lost, uh, and for me being a pastor i lost my my sense of destiny and purpose and mm. what you know, my mission, my meaning for life. And yeah. Lisa and I lost our connection. Um, okay. What do we do together now? Like she's yeah. off to university and I'm teaching at a university. Like what's our commonality anymore? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was really, really hard to, um, you know, get over that and work our way through that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm having a counseling session right now. Cause this is really, <laughs> uh, true to yeah. where we are. So, man. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. first I so, want to say I applaud the bravery, even though it might have felt like uh, just disillusionment to jump at that point. I applaud that with the, an understanding of your integrity and purpose at the time that you couldn't exist there where... Yeah. Uh, they were going to be who you were. So I, I just applaud that because I feel as if I know too many people. I, I actually kind of get saddened sometimes when I have people say to me, like almost whispering to me like, hey, wow, really impressed that you did that. Gosh, I wish I could, but I, I, you know, I need the paycheck or I need, I need the benefits. And I go, so, so did I. I do too. But I, <laughs> but I was dying in and I don't think you should sell your soul for a paycheck, you know? So, so I just say, wow, like David, like I'm really glad to yeah. find other people doing that. And, and to hear you say you lost friends and you felt, you know, my wife and I are going through this space of like, yeah, our, our worshiping community was this space for 20 years. And, um, yeah. like some of the friends we thought we'd you know, have, we don't have anymore. Um, we don't see anymore. Right. So we have to be really intentional. Like we, you know, maybe yeah. we, we, had, we had a handful of people that sort of stay in touch, but I think the rest of that became a disillusioning for me. Like, who were my real friends? Who are my, yeah. my real community? Was it just because that was my job? And was it that just because, like, I went to the institution on Sunday? So how did you and Lisa, sounds like, you know, you went through hell. How did you process that? And talk a little bit about that tumultuous journey part of it. <clears throat> yeah, so... Um... I've always said the church or any religion, like whether you go to a, a, a mosque or a temple or a synagogue or, you know, a church or, you know, whatever, uh, the, its greatest asset, um, often underused or abused, is community. So, like, when you walk into a church, you're basically handed a whole network of friendships on a platter. Mm-hmm. Where and you're provided with a whole bunch of activities. You're provided with things for your kids. You know, you're. It's like a whole world is provided for you, and and you don't have to go. Many churches, you don't have to go a day in the week without interconnecting with some of the other members. So, yeah. it's it's amazing, really. There's no other uh, kind of organization that provides that. And because I've tried, I've tried other organizations, seeing if. But it's not the same. I'm sorry. It's just not. Mm-hmm. But um, when, when so when we left the church, we we not only just physically left a job and our paycheck and a building and you know we left our not only our community and friends, but we lost the means by which you can make them. Mm-hmm. Like we 
we the church you join us and we'll give you a bunch of friends yeah fellowship yeah 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 but we're, and then when we left it was like how the hell do we meet people even <laughs> yeah how do you how do how do, and never mind making friends like yeah. how, how how do you make friends like it'd be like me at the gym or whatever looking at a couple lisa and i looking at a couple and saying It'd be cool to be friends with those people, but how the hell do you do that? <laughs> so um, it's not like you can say, let's talk to them after church on Sunday and say, yeah. maybe join them for a burger after church or something. It doesn't work that way. So yeah. we actually had to be very, very intentional, like you said, and actually try to restore old friendships, try to reconcile with some people that we felt it was worth reconciling with, and just finding new people to make friends with. Mm-hmm. And we, we're at a place now where um, we're, we've actually got enough friends that we're busy. When we want to see somebody, we can. And um, But it's not the same. Yeah. It's, it's not the same kind of depth and intimacy and everything that we used to experience. Yeah. But then I'm beginning to wonder if that was normal anyway and healthy. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, so now we're, we're busy. We're happy. And, you know, we're making enough money to live on and we're doing what we love and uh, we see people when we need to see people. We feel supported and thought of and cared for and our kids are fine, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, we did it, man. But we did it. We, we made it through that storm. Uh, and I, I, I hear I hear you, though, because <laughs> um, you and your wife, um it's a, it's a brutal, brutal journey, and I'll be honest with you, because these are the people I'm dealing with, most marriages don't make it, mm. I'm sorry to say. Most marriages don't make it through this, what we call deconstruction or leaving the church. Um, it's, it's just people underestimate how traumatic it is. Yeah. You know, it's, a lot of people are like, well, it's just like you stop believing in Santa Claus, no big deal. But no, it's not the same, because... Santa was just one day a week and, you know, okay, he's a big fairy, no big deal, we'll let it go, or a big elf, whatever he is. But with God and, you know, the church, it's it's all-consuming. It's your whole entire world, everything about your life, Yeah. from how you, you know, get up in the morning and the last thing you do before you go to bed, who you should like, who you should marry, how you're going to have sex, what you should do before you eat. Mm. You know, all the everything about your life, what you do with your money, everything about your life was shaped by this. And when you walk away from that, it's like it's like a Jenga tower of blocks. It just all crumbles, and you have to figure out how to make it all over again. Such a good analogy. I rambled. No, that's a great <laughs> analogy. Can you talk a little bit about when you say you know, like the the deconstruction process? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of what that looks like. That's actually expressed a lot in your art, and yep. you have a really great and provocative way of sort of poking yeah. at that. Um, I mean, I, I have a sense you still, well, yeah, just talk about your process. Like, what has become your mission or your values and belief system okay. now? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I have come to. I claim that when people are leaving the church or deconstructing their beliefs, that what I have seen a lot is that people either either they freak out because it's so scary and they revert back to a, an earlier stage in their spiritual journey. They, that was too freaky. I need to rededicate my life and they get back on track. Or they 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 say all that my whole religious thing was bullshit that was all utter bullshit i was an idiot mm. i swallowed that i was duped and they reject it all yeah i'm trying to encourage people to see that this is just a, a part a natural progression in their journey and um, not to look at their spiritual growth as linear or stages but as growth outward to include and subsume everything that they gone before. This is the next part of your journey. Don't you don't reject your roots. Um, and just keep going along this journey and you'll find that everything that you were and everything that you are is leading up to who you will be. And so that's what I help people do is is um, 
get through that stage of uh, moving from a, a literal to a more mystical approach to the spiritual life. That's my mission. That's what I love doing. I love it. And so my cartoons and my art and my writing and my online community and all that is devoted to that. What would yeah. you say to someone? So I love, I still love, I love, the, I love scripture. I love, I love God and the idea of God. I try to figure out, I don't feel like I know who God is fully. I'm still, I'm getting right. to know different parts of God. And that 20 years of my life that I spent, you know, uh-huh. it was great. There were great years. But now, like you said, there's almost this trauma of kind of moving away from that vocation that, that my job was to mm. harsh, partial out God to the masses. And so now I'm in this different space of trying to figure out, I still have this mission to experience the sacred and strange of life and to tell stories. Um, but uh-huh. I, and I think like you, like you, I'm, I'm gathering other people who want that too. What would you say to someone? Uh-huh. Like, what are some of the things that are helpful and what are some of the things that are harmful in that process of deconstruction, not fully rejecting it, not fully swinging over here. What are some things they need to be doing in their process? Um, okay. Well, I, I, I do have a lot of advice about that because like I say, my online community, the lasting supper, this is what we deal with all the time. And, um, we, uh, I don't keep mentioning that to promote it. I'm just no, please. saying, I'll put it out in the show notes. People can join you. If okay. they want. It's great. Um, but it's uh, so there's there's books you can read. There's you know outside of uh, you know there there's for every stage in your journey or whatever every leg of your journey there's a pro- books that are appropriate to that. Mm-hmm. So you know you can start with like you know conservative Christian material, move out to more moderate. Till you get to liberal, then you get to progressive, then you get to post, you know, and you just keep moving on on out, kind of pulling you deeper and deeper into into the water, and um, you know, read some philosophy, uh, you know, explore, start exploring, and you know, I'll tell you the, I remember pastors telling me you shouldn't be reading that. Yeah, scary. Right, right. And, they're afraid of what it could do to you. Yeah, or it's satanic or whatever, right? But now I'm saying, you know, if you want to grow, you've got to you got to jump into the deep end. You got to go in over your head, and so find these books, read about mysticism and con- contemplation and philosophy, and um, you know, read James Fowler's Stages of Faith, for example. That's a good good book. Um, read about mythology, you know, all this kind of thing, and. Just start to explore and don't don't second guess yourself. Like there's no there's no ban on what you should and shouldn't read, mm-hmm. and uh, you know feed your mind yeah. and 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 follow the questions. I, I wrote a book called Questions Are the Answer, I where love that. yeah, where you know questions are very very valuable. I mean they're 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 priceless. Yeah, and being able to get to that place where you can live with questions. Um, and, and that, that's, I think the, the, you know, pinnacle of spiritual growth. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh my Living with the mystery. I love that. Thank you for, like, I just want to just affirm to listeners how important the questions are. I always felt as if there was always an underlining message that, you know, asking too many questions wasn't good sort of in our church culture. And, uh, and then especially when I started to ask questions about, how we include the LGBTQ community or how we read scripture was always, that was a really scary place. In fact, I was actually told, please don't, please, you know, those questions need to be in, in private. We don't, you know, like I was, it was, it was a, a call to me that if I really wanted to keep my job, I needed to keep those questions in the secret because they could potentially cost me my job. Uh, with right. the denomination and with the church. And that was really hard because I felt, again, that was part of the couple-year wrestle of just being honest, which that's what I wanted to talk about. It seems like a lot of your art that I really, really appreciate deals with the way the church can abuse power 
And right. when I say the church, please, listeners, I want you to hear, I'm not blanketing every church. I'm blanking certain churches and certain leaders, really. We talked yeah. about this uh, early on in our Holy Cannoli. We did like a, a two-part series of why we do, we called it Don't Go to Church. And the idea was not that um, going to a gathering on a Sunday is bad, but the idea that we just plug and play an hour a week when we're meant right. to really be a part of a movement and a part of a community that could be 10 right. or it could be 100, but maybe be careful with the ones that go into the hundreds of thousands. Like, that's just a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah. can you talk about that, David? Like, some of your um, your cartoons just, I mean, make me laugh and chuckle and also hit me like, wow, you deal with misogyny and homophobia and lots of pokes at the way that sometimes the churches are led by uh, closed door men behind closed doors making all the decisions. Right. Yeah, so my cartoons, um, they um, challenge the way, uh, the, the wrong way ch- church sometimes behaves. Yeah. And all the way to encourages individuals to fight for their own spiritual independence. So, and by spiritual independence, I mean a healthy independence. Like you're, like I'm a healthy individual, mm-hmm. independent, and so is my wife. She's healthy and independent being, and we choose to come together to be interdependent. If we're unhealthy, we develop codependency, and it's all icky and toxic and everything. But if I'm independent, she's independent. We volitionally come together in a relationship to experience a healthy interdependence. So I encourage people to be spiritually independent. That's really a foreign concept for a lot of believers or yeah. Christians or anybody because we've all been taught you need to be under authority, you need to be mentored, you need to be taught, you need to be disciplined, blah, 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 blah. And I'm saying, well, you need to be spiritually independent. So I, I, I challenge, I challenge uh, where churches and leaders um, try to control people and I try to encourage people to fight for their own spiritual independence. And I think my cartoons all fit somewhere along that spectrum. Yeah. And currently, you are part of your past nine years has been developing a voice in this kind of space where you're using your art to stir conversation. Uh-huh. You're using your art to challenge the, yeah. that status quo. Can you share some stories? I'd be curious um, to, to hear how you've seen your work out in the world, uh-huh. you know, affect some change or stir conversation? Um, well, I really, I piss a lot of people off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I just uh, shared on Twitter yesterday, some guy wrote me uh, on Twitter for everybody to see. These cartoons are utterly blasphemous. Uh-huh. So um, I shared it, you know. Um, I retweeted it. And, uh, uh, so I get that all the time. I get real nasty stuff all the time. And then I get real encouraging stuff all the time from people who, um, are daring to take the step for their own spiritual independence and freedom. Like I, the last, I, I walked away from the church in 2010 or f- from the ministry. Uh, I didn't mean to walk away from the church, but the church made it impossible for me to go back. Mm. That, that was a nasty turn of events. I didn't expect but I'd done it before. I've left the ministry before. Uh, I was fired once mm-hmm. from a ministry, and I walked away once before in the ministry. And I'll just want, let me just tell you a thumbnail sketch of that of that story. I was I planted a Presbyterian church in Canada, mm-hmm. and I thought, great, I'll be able to build this church from the bottom up, and it'll be just the way I want it, and I'm going to be really happy, and everything's cool. But within two years, it fell into the same old root rut that uh, all my other churches had ever gone into. Just old and boring and, oh, I was so depressed. I thought, I, I'm stuck. And I, and I had, my three kids were little. Mm. And I, I was living in a manse, like the parsonage, the church. Uh-huh. I lived, in, lived in one of those me. as well. <laughs> and... My paycheck and my vacation and my and my pension. Uh, I I went to bed feeling absolutely utterly trapped mm. and hopeless. Mm. I didn't know what I was going to do. Very dark. 
But then in the middle of the night, I had a dream. And all the dream said was, it's time. And I woke up realizing I wasn't trapped at all. I wasn't trapped. All I was was afraid of the consequences of acting free. Yep. So I was laughing, actually. I was so happy. Lisa started laughing. The kids came running in, jumped on the bed. They're laughing. And we quit. I just said, I'm, nobody's got a gun to my head. Let's just yeah. do it. Let's just take the leap. So we did it. That was way back in 2000, uh, 1996, actually. And I, I just quit and walked away. And I'm telling you, it was a hap- some of the happiest days of our life back then. Mm-hmm. And so I want other people to experience that same kind of happiness and joy and freedom and spiritual independence. You're, a lot of people think they're trapped, but they're really not. They're just utterly aware of the consequences of acting free mm-hmm. and afraid. And, and so what I try to help people do is to try to overcome their fear, you know, drum up as much courage as you can and walk away from that oppressing, controlling, manipulating situation you're in, or even abusive situation that you're in. Yeah. Walk away and, and taste freedom, yeah. um, taste your freedom. And it's amazing the stories I hear from people. I love yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Uh, you had mentioned that the church made it impossible for you to get back you want to talk about yeah. that at all? Because I think it's actually helpful because some of us are a part of spaces, institutions that we need to recognize are exhibiting characteristics that make it necessary for us to step away. Any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Well, uh, the pastor who took over for me, I actually gave him, you know, passed the, passed the reins onto him. And, um, you know, everything was cool. The deal was I was going to stay away for about six months and then just kind of come back and just, you know, sit in the back and just be supportive because we love the church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, I just couldn't lead it anymore. Yeah. And, uh, but as soon as I left, uh, everybody got jealous and suspicious and, um, you know, we were informed that we weren't welcome back. So (laughs) it was very, very hurtful. And, uh, it, it was like, oh, well, on the one hand, that was a shock, but on the other hand, I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. And, um, that's just the way, that's just the way the church often operates. And, um, so, uh, it's like you, um, you know, we had a couple hundred friends. It was reduced to nearly nothing. And, um, we had to really work at it mm. to restore a few friendships from there. Wow. There was a couple of friends that we kept. So yeah. there's about, there's about one, two, three, there's about three couples and about two individuals mm. that we have friendship with that used to go to that church, but no longer do. Actually, the church closed down a oh. couple of years ago. Wow. Yeah. How fascinating. It's a, it's a dojo now. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this, so you're in, you're in Canada, uh, which yeah. I think is great. You, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's not too different in culture and Christian culture, no. quote unquote, there's a lot of similarities in kind of the way things are run. Um, but in our, our, our city as well, you know, uh, I was a part of this, this church, um, institution, and then there's a lot of other churches I would connect with, but it's just so fascinating to me to watch. Uh, I, I tried for a long time to become a consultant, uh, to help other churches. And then I just found myself and had some great, I think, direction from some good people in my life and the board of directors right. for my nonprofit who were just telling me, Tony, I think you should just take the church off your, your bullseye, you know, take, take that off your plate. Cause it's, they're not where you are and you can't bring your thoughts and, and ideas and help to them because you're just going to keep getting resistance and it's going to be exhausting for you. And when I did that, when I took it off, I yeah. felt so much more freer to go and, be, and do the creative yeah. work and the film work and storytelling, much like you. And so I just have a heart. I still love the church and I want people to thrive in the church. And I want people to hear like there just has to be a time when you recognize um, it's not healthy for me as an individual to be a part of this space. Find somewhere else. Find another community. Start one in your home. You know, being the church doesn't mean it has to be 100 or 10,000. It could just be 10, 5, 6, 7 people yeah. meeting in a living room, and I really value that. And I think yeah. um, I wonder what you think about this too. And yeah. A good friend of mine, we're just, we're just talking. He's still a pastor within a church and kind of wrestling through stuff, and he said, I need people, you know, who – 
who uh, are affirming of the LGBTQ community or, you know, insert other things or who are creative thinkers or who are outside of the box to stay within our culture to help it change from the inside out. And when he said that, I had to, I had to text them afterwards. Cause I felt like it hit a nerve in me and I was like, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. Cause I've heard that before. And I feel as if sometimes not even just the churches, but jobs, people keep people behind, like down thinking like uh-huh. we need you in this institution or this job or this church, but really it's killing the person and it's yeah. not fair. It's using the person. It's not promoting the person. It's not giving them a platform and it's causing them to wilt because they can't be who they are. And I think that's not good. So I want to speak to pastors and leaders. If you have people like that, that you're just keeping them in a space because you feel like, you know, you need them for your own agenda or to change things within, that's just not a healthy thing. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. That's a really tough one because um, I get that a lot too, where people, I, I'm I'm in a very, very unique place. I'm in a very niche uh-huh. kind of area. I am not uh, in the church, uh, although I, I'll visit churches. Uh-huh. And, and I, I even spoke at one a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. So I'm not I'm not in the church so much. I'm not entirely out either. Uh-huh. I'm kind of yeah. on the margin. Sure. And and um, and some people are like, uh, from atheists, they'll say, uh, "When are you going to fully come out as an atheist?" And then uh-huh. believers are like, "When are you going to? You know, why don't you just tell everybody that you're a believer?" It's like, so I'm I'm in that weird yeah. kind of in between no man's land kind of place and. Um, because I, I spent, you know, until I was, how old was I when I walked away? 52 or something years old. So let's say 50 years old. I spent that long in the church working from the inside, yeah. subversive sure. kind of ministry. Yes, right. Just just waiting and believing that one day things are going to change. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It, it It's like a snail's pace. Yes. It's so frustrating yes. and soul killing. Oh, man. You know, and it's easy for... I'll be honest with you. It's easy for a pastor who's getting paid to do that. Yep. But when somebody is just doing it out of the goodness of their heart and and turning off opportunity to be really fully happy and engaged and enjoying life, it's not fair. Not fair. I mean, there yeah. there are, you know, I know people. I, I just did a cartoon recently of uh, uh, an LGBTQ sheep uh-huh, outside. I saw that. Yeah. Outside of a. A, uh, a fold and they're inside the fold they're all white sheep and they say we're working be patient we're working on it and eventually the sheep you know yeah still working on it and then the last frame the sheep is the lgbtq sheep is just skeletons yeah. lying on the ground he's waited and that's the way it is i mean it's easy for people on the inside to say we're we're struggling with this but yeah. what about the lgbtq plus people who yeah are you know, wondering if even the next generation is, is going to enjoy full rights and privileges yeah. the people on the inside do. So that's a really tough one. Yeah. Uh, if people feel called to that and they want to do it, go for it. But, um, you know, that's, that's tough. I really appreciate that, David. Thank you for that. Thanks for your work. And I think the last um, thing I'd love to hear you chat on. I used one of your cartoons. I think I messaged you. We bantered a little bit about it. You asked how it was received and it was received well, but then you changed. So um, you put out a cartoon. I think it was December and it was a picture of uh, like the way I interpreted it. I think your intention first, then you changed it was Pharisees, people of the, oh yeah, you know, the, the, the teaching culture at the time, the religious teaching culture <laughs> were standing with uh, scriptures holding you know, the Torah, the law, and they were facing Jesus. And the word was something like Jesus said, the difference between you and me is I use love to interpret scripture, not scripture to interpret love or something to that effect, I believe. Right, right. I right. used that in December in a preaching uh, thing I was doing and it was received well. But then like a week or two later, you reposted some really thoughtful thoughts on that. And yeah. uh, I'd love you to just tell that story if you could. Well, um, I, the original cartoon is pretty much as you describe it. It's Jesus talking to the teachers of his day. Uh-huh. Uh, they weren't, they, I don't think they were holding anything. Okay. Okay. They were just obviously, uh, they were obviously men in robes uh-huh. and hat. Uh-huh. And so the presumption was he was talking to a group of, uh, teachers of the law, um, Jewish uh-huh. teachers. Uh-huh. 
Now, my intention when I drew that cartoon was he was just, it was just an ad hoc, spontaneous moment where he was talking to a bunch of guys uh, about the, their different method of hermeneutics uh-huh. and how, how they interpreted scripture. But I heard from a couple of Jewish friends. I, there's a few rabbis who follow my uh-huh. cartoons. They're like, you know, I, I really love your cartoon, but somebody I shared it. <laughs> and somebody said it was is is the um, artist anti-Semitic because it's a, it's assuming what could be read from that was Christians have a better way of interpreting Scripture than Jews do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought, oh my God, damn it! Uh-huh. And so I thought, you know what? They I, that's not at all what I intended. But yeah. a, that cartoon, you know, art can take on a life of its own. Yeah. And so I I said, you know what? You're right. It can be interpreted that way. So I redrew it with modern-day people, men and women, holding Bibles, uh-huh. because that's that's yep. the point I wanted to make was it's it's how you're interpreting. It's it's not the identity of the people. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I removed as much as I could from online, all my social platform, social media. I, I removed that original one, mm-hmm. but it's still it's still going around out sure. there. I can't help it. Sure. But um, I—, I you know, that happened with one of my um, sheep cartoons where Jesus is carrying a sheep, the lost sheep, back to the fold. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait. He wasn't lost. We kicked him out. Uh-huh. And, and then somebody out there decided to color the sheep on Jesus' shoulders, LGBTQ colors. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, I hate it when people change my art. Like, there's yeah. a big copyright sign on there. But at least this one I agree with. And they didn't okay. scrub my name off it. Uh-huh. And then a couple of days later, somebody else colored the sheep pink and blue, the transgender colors. Uh-huh. I'm like, geez, guys. <laughs> but I, again, I, I agreed with it, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and what I did was I actually drew, drew those and colored them that way. That's so cool. I, I'm 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 very. But then I, but then there's some people who like if if somebody took that sheep and put a MAGA hat on him, I'm sorry, I would yeah. have a hard time with that. I guess. So. <laughs> I, would totally, I would totally have a problem. So. Well, I, yeah, I just really appreciate your work. And we did an LGBTQ film photography and music event last week. And one of oh, the, cool. um, one of the artists uh, in the conversation, we just, it was really cool. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't just believers or people who are in the faith community, it was just all different sorts. And it was really cool. But one of the um, artists texted me your artwork a couple of days oh. later saying, hey, the conversation reminded me of this artist. And I just had to laugh and go, guess what? I'm interviewing him <laughs> on my podcast in a couple of days. So your work <laughs> is getting out there, David. Oh, I really I know, I know. appreciate it and I'm thankful for it. How can people yeah. find you, get connected to you and to your socials or to your lasting separate yep. community? Just uh, make it pastor, all one word, and it'll give you, it'll take you to nakedpastor.com. And then I'm on, you know, I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and uh, pay, Facebook page, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn. Etsy is where I sell my art. And, you know, so I'm everywhere. You can find me just naked pastor, one word, and, and there I am. And, and last thing, why'd you choose Naked Pastor? I know, but tell the listeners why you chose it. Okay, yeah. So I just just this morning, I got a message from somebody on Twitter. Why Naked <laughs> Pastor? I find that it was a young woman. Because of my experiences, I, I find that very triggering. Oh, and I, I, ex, I, ex, I explained, look, yeah. naked just means open and honest and raw yeah. and real. Yeah. I just want to tell it like it is. And she's like, oh, okay, I get it. No problem. So that's what it means. Right just on. me being real. Yeah. Thanks so, thanks so much. I love being connected. I'd love to have you back again. And I'll keep, uh, <laughs> yeah. keep following and keep promoting your stuff. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much. All right. All right, David. Take care. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.